Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Puerto Rico board says bond deal will collapse without court okaying pension changes. November 12 is new set date for St. Croix Lime Tree Bay auction as judge approves extension. China Railway deemed most capable partner for Guyana hydropower project. UK preparing to deport more Jamaican expats. And IGT Play Sports expands into Puerto Rico. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Tuesday, November 2nd. We start a report today in Puerto Rico. The bond buyer reports that the Puerto Rico Oversight Board said the current bond adjustment deal would collapse unless the bankruptcy judge said a recently passed law which bars pension cuts actually allows the board's planned pension changes. Puerto Rico Oversight Board Attorney Martin Bienstock raised these concerns in a pre-trial conference and hearing leading up to the Plan of Adjustment Confirmation hearing, which is scheduled to start on November 8. The legislature passed and the governor signed into law Act 53, law to end the bankruptcy of Puerto Rico, on October 26. The law authorizes the plan's new restructured bonds and related contingent value instruments. It conditions the new bonds on the board following through on several commitments to the Commonwealth and municipal governments. It explicitly says that there will be no cuts to the monthly defined benefits for those already receiving these pensions. Bienstock said that the law refers to zero cuts to pensions and similar language elsewhere. After it passed, one news outlet quoted people saying that Act 53 would bar the board from making other pension changes in plans to institute, Bienstock said. One change the board wants to do would be to switch those employees covered by the judiciary and teachers' retirements to defined contribution pensions from defined benefit plans. A second change the board plans to make is the elimination of pension cost of living adjustments. Bienstock told bankruptcy judge Laura Taylor Swain, there are two issues facing the proposed plan of adjustment. If the board does the two plan changes to the pensions but eliminates the cuts to define monthly benefits, she would decide if the board would get authorization for the new debt. If not, the plan would not be implementable, Bienstock said. If she does not approve the board's interpretation of the new law, that it can make the two changes to the pension system, conditions the board promises to holders of Puerto Rico general obligation bonds for the plan would also not be met, he said. The other issues was long-term. It was possible a retiree could challenge the change to their pension system a few years from now as being pension cuts and thus inconsistent with Act 53. If that were to occur and a court agreed with them, the debt would be found invalid because language in Act 53 makes the new bonds depends on no cuts to pensions. The whole thing blows up, including the debt authorization, if we haven't satisfied the conditions. 
These are obvious risks that the Oversight Board cannot and will not take, Bienstock said. We do not believe the Commonwealth should want to take them or anyone holding or trading the debt should want to take or would take them. It is an intolerable risk, and it has created the need for certainty that is binding on all parties of interest. The way to get that certainty is to give notice to current and former employees of the board's interpretation of Act 53 treatment of pensions and of the board's request for Swain to rule on it. Bienstock said the board would file a written request for this notice sometime later on Monday. He said notice would primarily be done through advertising and publications, but that the board would also try to reach people by email and postal mail. In response, Puerto Rico bondholder Peter Hines said he thought retail bondholders should also be given notice since the outcome would affect their ability to sell their bonds on the secondary market. Swain said Hines was suggesting a need for a new vote on the plan of adjustment. Swain encouraged the board to include its rationale in any proposed notice to employees, but did not rule on the matter. She said she looked forward to seeing the board's written filing on the topic. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that potential buyers of the Lime Tree Bay Refinery on St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Islands have until November 10th to make their deposit to purchase the shuttered South Shore facility as bankruptcy judge David Jones for the Southern District of Texas on Friday approved an extension sought by Lime Tree. The refinery has interested buyers, including St. Croix Energy, whose aim is to restart the facility in an environmentally responsible manner, as well as scrappers, whose goal is to tear down the facility and sell it for its most useful parts. The extension would provide Lime Tree Bay with time to sort through the bids it received and prepare for the sale, according to Lime Tree Bay Council Elizabeth Green. Along with the time extension, Jay Aaron, which runs out of money over the weekend, another $8.34 million. The transfer from the oil sold from the refinery that was jointly owned by Jay Aaron and Lime Tree Bay. Jay Aaron is a subsidiary of Goldman Sachs, the latter being the major refinery lender and lead debt sponsor during lead-up to restart. Some of the funds will go toward paying debtor-in-possession lender Arena Capital, as well as providing liquidity through December 10th, the closing date of the sale. Arena investor attorney Jason Bruckner contended that the legal fees of $2 million, which was proposed by the debtors' counsel as funding to close the sale, was unreasonable. He said Arena investors, which is the debt-in-possession lender, would object to the amount if the matter is not resolved. With China Railway Group Limited found to be the most capable partner for the development of Guyana's Amalia Fall Hydro Project, cabinet members of Guyana have given its no objection to the office of the Prime Minister to engage the Chinese company on the venture, which is expected to see Guyanese accessing cheaper electricity. The Ministry of Finance last night announced that the Prime Minister's office would engage the firm to construct the project under the Build, Own, Operate, Transfer model, 
where the company would supply electricity to the Guyana Power and Light Inc. at a cost not exceeding 0.07737 per kilowatt. With this model, Guyana will not be investing any finances into the project, as the company, which the ministry said was identified by the Evaluation Committee as the most capable partner, will provide the entire equity required and undertake all the risk associated with the project, the ministry said. The St. Kitts Observer reports that a number of Jamaicans currently living in the United Kingdom could be deported within the coming days. In a report published on Saturday, the Gleaner stated that the deportation flight schedule for November 10th will be the second in three months and the fourth since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Speaking with the Gleaner, the chairman of the Windrush National Organization, Dr. Desmond Jadu, said it is not yet known how many people will be deported. On August 11, seven Jamaicans were deported aboard a UK home office charter plane. Ninety people were originally embarked for deportation, and according to statistics from the home office, 140 Jamaicans with criminal convictions were deported on six flights between 2016 and 2021. Jadu said some charter flights have left the UK virtually empty and at extreme cost to British taxpayers. We understand the expense came about a quarter of a million pounds. If there are late legal challenges and that reduces the number of people on a flight, it's solely because there are flaws in the decision-making process. Otherwise, judges would not be intervening and taking people off flights, he said, of the August 11 flight. Jadu also raised concerns about deportation charter flights amid the COVID-19 pandemic. At the time of the last flight to Jamaica, the number of deportees was drastically reduced due to an outbreak of the COVID-19 at one of the detention centers. Barbados today reports that new regulations are coming to prevent fishermen from casting their nets to catch certain species of fish and restrict their access to certain sections of the island's coastline. Barbados's Minister of Maritime and Blue Economy, Kirk Humphrey, said on Monday, revealed that the changes are intended to protect certain endangered species and create more sustainable marine environment. During the opening of a newly refurbished fish market at Paynes Bay, St. James, he revealed that among the new and progressive regulations are restrictions on sea net fishing that would prevent the catching of certain types of fish including chubs, which were said to be under threat. He also explained that the measures were only agreed upon after extensive consultation with fishermen, who have also promised to produce a video showing the difference between using nets to catch permitted species like jacks in comparison to chubs. Fishermen who engage in pot fishing will now have to be registered with the Maritime Affairs Ministry to ensure that it is done in a more controlled way. Minister Humphrey also announced the creation of areas that may be close to catching certain species of fish, close to certain species, and or where fishing is altogether prohibited. 
prohibited in the marine management areas. The point here is to be able to maintain fishing to allow people to eat, but to be able to do it sensibly and to be able to do it sustainably. I do believe these new regulations will allow us to do that. So over the next few months, there is going to be intense consultation with the public to be able to explain what it is that we are seeking to do, Humphrey explained. The minister has promised an extended period of consultation with the intention of passing legislation and instituting enforcement measures from early next year. To satisfy U.S. export regulations, the new measures will mandate continuous monitoring of the treatment in Barbados waters of mammals like dolphins. How we determine and treat those marine managed areas will be the subject of consultation so that you must not hear that there is going to be a marine managed area and hear that there is going to be absolutely no fishing in any area of the marine managed area. President of Barbados's National Union of Fisher Folk Organization, Vernell Nichols, told Barbados today that while some players in the sectors have raised concern, the organization was pleased with the level of consultation. And finally, Game Intelligent reports that the international game technology has rolled out its Play Sports sports betting solution in Puerto Rico under a multi-year agreement with the stadium. The stadium owns and operates WinN, a Puerto Rico-based entertainment company that has partnership with leading esports companies and the top baseball league in the region. Liga de Béisbol, professional Roberto Clemente. The stadium is now expanding into the recently regulated sports betting market in Puerto Rico, leveraging IGT's technology and trading advisory services for both retail and online operations. As the sports betting market in Puerto Rico takes shape, WinN is well positioned to deliver world-class online and retail sports betting thanks to our technology and services partnership with IGT, said WinN Chief Operating Officer Grace Santana. IGT Play Sports platform continues to provide its capacity to scale with new market opportunities and give players a seamless omni-channel experience that they can trust. IGT President of Sports Betting Joe Asher added, IGT Sports is highly experienced at helping operators such as WinN successfully establish competitive sports booking in newly regulated jurisdictions. The prospects of adding Puerto Rico as a territory with play sports powered by sportsbooks is another exciting step in our effort to further expand our footprint across North America. Shares in international game technology gained 8.14 cents in New York on Monday to close at $31.89 per share. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Tuesday, November 2nd. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook.